Um, so we have been together in a sermon series that we've called In Secret, and it's on purpose not a Christmas series, because my suspicion is that everywhere you go, everywhere you look, um, everybody's trying to sell you something, or they're trying to get you hyped up about the holiday season, or they're asking you to be somewhere, or they're asking you to bring something. And so in this kind of a crazy busy season, we wanted to divert our attention to um, our souls and be reminded that we are whole people and that if uh, we don't walk with Jesus daily, then um, we're going to walk ourselves off a cliff. So as we've been going through this series, we've been taking uh, a look at some of Jesus' teachings on prayer. And this morning is going to be a, a completely unusual. I've never done anything like this as long as I've been here in nine years, um, I don't, I, and, but we got the idea from somebody else. So it has been done before, but I've never done it before. So if you're, if you're a guest with us this morning, this is nothing like what we normally do. This is completely different. And so this is your invitation to come back next week uh, and, to, and to try us out on a normal Sunday. Uh, well, the next Sunday won't be normal either. So it'll, whatever. I guess you're going to have to be here through Christmas. You're just not allowed to stop coming now. <laughs> So, um, so this morning, what we're going to do that's so different is instead, I could, we could go through our normal rhythms of singing some songs, and then I could preach a probably too long sermon on the Lord's Prayer, on the Disciples' Prayer, and then we could go home and forget everything that we talked about, and that's fine. That's kind of how we normally do things, but um, what we'd like to do this morning instead is break up the teaching into some smaller sections and then actually leave some space for us to practice what it is that we're talking about. So I'll try to keep my comments brief, um, but we'll, we're going to work our way through the Lord's Prayer in a couple of different sections. We'll leave some time and some space for us to pray privately, and then we'll sing a song. So that'll kind of be our rhythm for the rest of the morning. I'll talk, um, we'll pray, and then uh, we'll sing together. We'll do that three times. And so as we're doing that, um, the kids are going to stay in with us. I'm, I'm hopeful that this will be a, kind of a formative morning. Um, if you've got uh, kids that are like kindergarten or younger ages that you would like, um, Uncle Ryan, Pastor Ryan, sorry, can, uh, can take, uh, we'll take them back into Kid Nation and they've got some stuff that they'll work on um, if they're going to have trouble uh, focusing and engaging like that. Um, and the other thing that's unusual is we won't actually be passing a plate this morning. Um, we've got boxes in the back wall uh, for offerings, or you can give online or through our app. There are some instructions for how to get our app on your bulletin, your worship guide this morning. So um, I think that's all of the, the information. Did I forget anything? So this is your introduction that this morning's super weird. So I know that I'm kind of dropping the ball on you or dropping the bomb on you now. And so what I'd like to do is uh, to sing together, raise our voices together to Jesus, um, because that's who we're here for. We're, we're laying aside whatever distractions, whatever burdens, whatever hurries we carried in with us. We're laying those aside and we're going to focus in on Jesus um, and connect with him this morning. So let's do that by singing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, there are days where we sing to you because we are feeling the things that we're saying, and there's sometimes where we sing to you because we know what you've said is true, and we want to trust you. And so, Lord, wherever we find ourselves this morning, God, I pray that you would meet us there. 
thank you for your mercy, and we pray that you'd give us ears to hear and eyes to see. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, you may be seated. It's our habit to gather um, to pray uh, what we've called the Disciples' Prayer. And so as we gather normally on a Sunday morning, as I begin to speak, um, I'll invite you to pause and we'll pray together. Um, and there's a number of, I'd like to tell you the story really briefly, if I can, of why we do that. Because I did not grow up in what they call a liturgical church, where they write out their prayers and everything's very, very scripted. I grew up in, in kind of a Southern Baptist church where everybody just kind of, you know, prayed in the spirit and, you know, it was, nothing was written down. Um, so it, it, to me, is an unusual form to pray the same words every week. And there's a story about how we got there. So when I started preaching um, about four years ago regularly, uh, the first sermon series I preached was four weeks in the book of Ruth, and the second one I preached was on prayer. And um, sometimes you preach because you have something to share with people, and sometimes you preach because you have to learn it yourself. And I felt like the place for me to start as a young preacher was to start learning how to pray. And uh, the way that I knew how to do that was I'll, I'll study and do a sermon series, and everybody will think I've got this nailed down, uh, but really I'm learning it for myself. Um, and so the last week in that series, I did my first sermon on um, what's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer, and my unfamiliarity with it was unsettling to me. I came to this, this text that, it's, that the disciples asked Jesus flat out, how should I pray? And he, he gave them an answer, like, that's unusual, in, in Jesus' life, like normally people would come and ask him questions all the time, and very rarely would he actually give them the answer to the question they asked. And this is one that he answered, pray then like this. Um, and as I was reading and trying to, to study, I realized, like, I'm going to, I know what's true here, and I'm going to proclaim that, but there's a disconnect between what I'm saying and what my heart wants to do. And so as a result of preaching that sermon, I thought, you know what, we need to make this a habit. If Jesus said, this is how you should pray, then maybe we should pray that way. I, like, it's a really like, profound com, com, or idea that if Jesus said we should do it, well, let's, let's try to do it. And so that's kind of where we started. Um, but I, on purpose, have, all, have called it since that time the disciples' prayer because it, it, it was a prayer that was given to them and, as an answer to the question, how should we pray? You should pray like this. So this is a prayer for the disciples, for the people that are following Jesus. The Lord's Prayer, uh, if you want to do some homework, I think, is actually in John chapter 17, where he just prays to the Father by himself, and it's an incredible window into like the prayer life of Jesus. So if you want some homework, something to chew on, you will chew on it, uh, then take a look at John 17 this week. Um, but it, it starts off uh, like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how should we pray? We should pray beginning with the idea that I ain't talking to myself. I'm, I'm addressing somebody else, and he is God, which, you know, we... we we, got, we drove to church this morning, like we're probably on that page of like, maybe there is a God, maybe there isn't a God, but I'm, I'm talking to something outside of myself. There is a God out there and I'm going to talk to him. But there's an implicit thing. I think my heart will, will say that, but I won't know in the background the other side of that truth. If he is God, then I am not. And I think that's where prayer starts. 
of saying, I'm not God. And there is someone else out there that I need to address. So our Father, not only is he God Almighty, creator of the universe, uh, master and Lord over every atom of, of everything that has ever existed, not only is he sovereign and in complete and total control of everything that's happening in, in galaxies that we can't even see with the technology that we have, not only is he that great and mighty and powerful, he also calls himself our Father. He says, I want, I want to be with you. I want to dwell with you. I want you in my house. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And hallowed isn't really a word that we use very often, but it just means like acknowledged as distinct. Like um, you ever walk into a room of people and you're just kind of talking with people and everybody just looks like normal, normal folks. And then you realize, oh, that person's like super important. That's the mayor of the city. And like he is wearing jeans and a t-shirt and you're like, oh, you know, I didn't even know. I've never seen the guy before. But like, oh, like he actually is really important. Like that thing that's happening in your mind there is hallowing. I'm acknowledging that person as distinct. And so as we come to God, we don't come to God on our terms. We come to God on his terms. We acknowledge you are not like me. You are God. I am not. And you are not like me but you're my father. You made me to be like you. So in that case, your kingdom come. You get to say, you get to make the rules and you, you establish that on your creation. Your will be done. You get to do what you want on earth here on this, this place that we see often is at war with God as it is in heaven, the place where they can't get away from him. There's... It, it, I think it's incredible because it acknowledges this tension of things are not the way that they're supposed to be. Prayer starts with acknowledging that I'm not God and that things are not the way they're supposed to be. Um, and I think that's a beautiful place to start. Um, there's a, a book that I've been reading, and there's one sentence in this book that just is so simple um, but I have not been able to drop it. Uh, Justin Early says, God's presence, not his absence, is the primary fact of the world. God's presence is the primary fact of the world. What we learn about God in, in the beginning of the story is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The primary fact is that God is present in his creation. But I think most of us, as we're growing up, we don't we don't feel that. We're like, where is God? What's, where was he when, when that was happening? Where was he when those people were saying those things about me behind my back? Where was he when I was asking for his help and it just seemed like he was so far away? It doesn't seem like the primary fact of our lives is that God's present. But that was the primary fact of creation. And the fall, the thing that's broken, is the fact that we now are isolated from his presence. We were created to be in it. We were created to walk in it all the time, to be with him, to, to call him dad. And yet our default setting as we come into the world, even as these young kids, is, is to be separated from him. And so prayer begins with acknowledging uh, that he is God and that the world is not the way it's supposed to be. When we realize that God's present, we kind of have two reactions. One is we try to take his place. We're like, 
well, yeah, I know that you're God, but I actually need, I actually am here today to let you know the things that you have missed, the things that you are overlooking. I'm here to tell you all the things that I need you to do because I've got a lot of things. I'm a very important person, God. I don't know if you know that, but these are the things that I need to get done. So when we realize God's presence, sometimes we try to take over from him, for him, and sometimes we try to hide. Say, you're God, I'm not, and I can't have anything to do with you. But this prayer, this model of prayer, sets us up to acknowledge that this relationship is ongoing. I told you I'd keep my comments brief. So let's, um, if our life is not about us, then who are we going to crown? If God is God and I am not, who are we going to crown with our attention, with our affection? Who are we going to put first in our life? And that's where the prayer starts. You want to talk to God? You've got to come to him. So I'd like to make some space in this holiday season where everybody's cranking up the noise and blasting the music and making sure we're all holly jolly. I want to be quiet for a minute, and I'm going to maybe take my kids. <laughs> um, be quiet for a minute and just reflect. Spend some time talking with God this morning. I don't know if these are the only quiet moments you might have all week long, but you've got them here. This is a safe place. Um, and reflect on, on, on and talk to God about what's going on. Thank God for adopting you into his family. Acknowledge how great God is. Um, and then confess your longing for a, a different world, a world the way the world is supposed to be, free of sin and evil, uh, perfectly ruled by our loving Father. So let's just take a few minutes and pray together. Um, I'll start and close the time by praying. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is. Amen. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And I'm going to do something a little bit unusual. It'll make sense the next time, but I'm going to take these verses out of order. I want to group them by ideas. It makes it easier to break it up like this. So give us this day our daily bread and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Um, there's a reference here. So this is usually where I start, right? Yo, God, I got a lot of things to do today. Can you please make sure that blah, 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 and help my kids be calm and make sure that they're quiet while we're praying and uh, make sure that they're good for their teachers because I don't really care so much if they're bad for me as long as they're nice to their teachers. Like, uh, or, or, you know, God, would you please, like, smite my boss? Like, I just can't. I can't today. Would you just smite him? And make him sick or something, because I just would like a break. Or, like we start off with asking God for for favors and things like that. But, but the the request that He asks us to come to Him with is for daily bread. Um, we, I mean, this isn't about carbohydrates. Bread is not really like the staple of our of our society. Um, but for the original audience, like bread was was the thing that they lived off of. It was. 
it was, uh, it, was, it was life for them. And he says, I want you to come to me and ask me for your daily bread. And it's a reference back to something that God did in history um, where he delivered a group of slaves. He took a group of slaves and people who knew how to build things but didn't necessarily know how to feed themselves. And then he took them out into a, a, a wilderness. He took them out into a desert where even if they did know how to feed themselves, there wasn't anything to eat there. And he says, hey, you guys are going to... Uh, you guys are going to walk with me on this fancy camping trip. I'm going to take you to a new land where life's going to be good over there, but like in the meantime, you've got you to get there. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to rain down bread for you. Um, I'm going to do it for six days because I want, uh, I want to teach you a rhythm. Uh, every day you're going to gather bread for six days. On the sixth day, you'll gather twice as much as you actually need because on the seventh day, uh, you're going to... You're going to rest. You're not going to go and collect anything. So if you, if you gather too much on day one, you have some extra because you're not quite sure God's going to come through with you on Tuesday, um, then you, the, the bread would go bad overnight. So there was no keeping over the, the way that this bread worked. There was no keeping over. And for six days, you couldn't keep it over. But then on day six, you have to have twice as much. And so then it's a test of faith of like, are you going to trust me today that the bread that if you kept last, if you kept it yesterday, it would have gone bad. But today, if you keep it, I'm going to preserve it so that you can eat it tomorrow. Um, which is a really fascinating way that God taught these people to walk with him. And he even says so. Um, I'm going to turn there real quick because I didn't put it in my notes, unfortunately. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, I want to read for you. God tells the people why it is that he did this. He said, you guys didn't have anything to eat. I was leading you through a desert. And, and, and this is why I did this. He says in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 1, the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to your father. So I'm giving this to you because I want to teach you a way to live. I'm not trying to be a stickler. I'm not trying to kill your joy. I want to give you a way to like actually live. And the way that you actually live is if you walk with me day by day in my presence. It's almost like we were designed to do that. Uh, and in verse 2, you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you testing you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and then fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes forth from the mouth of the Lord. So he says, I'm going to give you some bread, and it's going to be so weird. Like manna, the, the actual like, literal translation of the Hebrew there is, what is it? Like, the name of the thing is, what is it? Uh, we just had Thanksgiving, and there's, there's, some, there's some things that come to our family table that's just called the green stuff. I, we could have called it manna. What is it? I don't know what it is, but we have it every year. But this, this manna, this what is it, was, was pre preserving. It was saving life. It wasn't just a nice dessert. It was what we needed to get through the day, and it's only going to get me through today. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What do I need today, God? Somebody told me one time, the, the unfortunate state of humanity is that we, we are desperately needy and have no idea what it is we actually need. God, what do I need today? Give me what I need today. I just need enough food. 
I just need to walk close enough with you. I just need, I just need enough patience. I just need enough grace. Would you get, I, I, I'm not asking for a lot. Just give me what I need to honor you with this day. And, and, and then lead me. So, so give me what I need. Provide for what I need. But then give me the direction that I ought to go. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's a really strange way to put it, isn't it? Like it sounds almost like God's responsible for like for, for temptation and evil. And, and, and we could probably get like caught up in that. Lead me not into temptation. Does that mean that God does lead me into temptation? How dare he? Doesn't he know how hard my life already is? Like why would he even consider leading me into temptation? That's not very nice. But I think, I think the phrasing here actually highlights that we don't actually know what we need. If I knew what I needed, I would ask God to lead me there. But I don't know where it is that I need to go. And so I know what I need to avoid. So would you not lead me in the thing that I know I need to avoid to the place that I don't know I need to go, but you do? Because you are God and I am not. Hallowed be your name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's, it's, it's a trust issue. Will I trust God? Will I trust God that he'll make it rain tomorrow? Or will I trust God that he will make the thing that I know should rot last for another day? And it's a rhythm. Every day, every morning, go out, collect. And then we stop collecting because God is God and he's in control and he's going to take care of it and he's providing. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, Imagine, hypothetically, a, a classroom. And I know it's Sunday, we don't want to go to school. Um, but imagine if you were in a classroom and there never were any tests. There was never examinations, there was never any quizzes. Um, like, week over week, how would we feel about that class? Easy A, right? Yeah? Like, I don't, ever have to, I don't ever have to prove that I learned anything. Like, I probably am not even going to study, right? Like, I don't need to be ready for anything. Like, I'm just going to make it through. Um, and yet, when we look at God, we're like, how dare you put a, a test in my life? Like, how, how dare you expect me to be accountable for the things that you've entrusted me with? I think a good father would give us the opportunity to use the tools that he's equipped us with. You don't need patience if everybody is always loving towards you. You don't need kindness if people are always nice to you. You don't need mercy if there's nobody to forgive. So lead us not into temptation. To be tempted is not a sin. Jesus himself was tempted. And he was tempted, whatever temptation you're facing, the only comfort that I have for you is this, that Jesus was tempted more than you were. So if, if, if we've got a, a weight, a set weight of like a thousand pounds, right? Those are barbells. If I'm a, I think I'm a power lifter, I'm gonna. So I, I grab this barbell. I've got a thousand pounds. I'm gonna try to lift it. And I'm gonna strain, and I'm as far as I possibly can. But I didn't take the full weight on myself. I didn't. I didn't really lift it very much. I went as far as I could go, but I didn't. I didn't bear the full weight of it. That's my temptation. Is like I'm. I got that thousand pound thing, and I'm like, oh, I get, I get something here. But the life that the Bible tells us that the life that Jesus lived, he lifted up the full weight of every temptation that could possibly be and set it. And then he dropped it. So it's done. I can take the full weight of your temptation. I've been through that valley. 
And that's the only comfort I have, is that he's been tempted beyond I could be. And he promises that he'll be with me in whatever I face. So let's pray together. Give us this day our daily bread. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Here's some, uh, here's some questions to, to pray through. Um, thank God for his faithfulness in being our good shepherd and leading us and guiding us. Share with him where you currently feel like you need his provision, but ask him for wisdom and direction and strength to resist areas of temptation um, and lift up the needs of others that get brought to mind. We'll just take a few minutes in, in, in quiet prayer before we sing again. not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. God's so good. <laughs> One of the things that I, that I think we miss if we are familiar with this prayer, um, we kind of memorize it in the King James Version culturally. Um, is that all of the pronouns, all of the, the, the words that talk about us are actually plural. Give us this day our daily bread, our Father. It's not a me and God thing. Like even as Jesus is teaching us to pray, he's reminding us that there is a, a fellowship that we are in this together, that as we pray, we're not just me and God praying, but we also are lifting up our, our brothers and sisters. And I think that this is the heart of prayer. And he phrases it in a way that's incredibly frustrating. <laughs> he says, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Ugh. Like, there's a thousand other ways he could have said that that would have gotten me off the hook. But when he says, I want you to pray like this, God, forgive me. Oh, I love that. Like, I need that. Like, I know. If, I, if, I, if God is God and I am not God, I need to ask him to forgive me. God, I have failed you. I'm so far. Like, I, I failed my kids. I failed my wife. Like, I failed at work. Like, I just, I have failed. And God, would you forgive me? And I, I can be comfortable with that prayer sometimes. Sometimes I struggle. Sometimes I feel like he shouldn't. And, like, I got to make amends for it. But that's not even, that's not even, that's a different sermon entirely. But, like, here he says, pray for forgiveness. Forgive us our debts. Forgive me the things that I owe you in the same manner that I forgive those who owe me. Ugh. Jesus could have given us a prescription for prayer. He could have given us a, a bullet point of lists of things to, to ask God for or to tell God. He could have given us a formula that we could have come in and recited. But if we hear this, if we, if we pray this with our heart, we can't say it without changing. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Like, what? I have not been very forgiving this week, God. Please don't do that. <laughs> Please don't treat me the way that I treat other people. Like, you're better than me. You ought to, I'm not, you're not like me. I'm supposed to be like you. Like, don't, don't treat me the way that I'm treating others. And yet, this is the model that Jesus leaves for us. 
I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that be, by memorizing this and putting it on the lips of, of, of like high school students before a, a football game, like there's, there's a beautiful picture of that, but I'm afraid too that we've also made ourselves accountable for things we don't know what we're asking for. If God answers this prayer, it could be devastating. Uh, typically, typically we as we are praying uh, the disciples' prayer together, um, we will close with, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It goes back to our Father in heaven, like hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. It's a beautiful way to end, and it's, it's a, there's a long historical tradition of closing in that way. I don't have a problem closing in that way, but that's not the way Jesus closed the prayer in this section. He actually closes the, 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 the disciples' prayer with this, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you will not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Can you see why we might put a different ending on this, maybe? <laughs> that's, that's not really fun to talk about, right? And I don't think what he's addressing here is like salvation. I don't think he's saying like, if you don't forgive other people, then there's no way that God will ever forgive you, you dirty sinner. Because the fact of the matter is I can't forgive anybody unless God is doing it through me. And he's not doing it through me unless I'm submitted to him. And I'm not submitted to him unless I'm following him. Like there's, there's, there's a chain of events that's happening here. But he's saying if you come to me and you ask for forgiveness and I extend forgiveness to you, and you, what you do with that forgiveness then is to go out and to beat other people on your high horse about how they owe you something, then you've missed what I did over there. You missed, you missed your place. I'm your father. I am in heaven. You're on earth. Things are broken. I know things are broken, but I gave you that forgiveness. Like, I'm the one who set you up. And so if they are sinning, they're ultimately sinning against me. And for you to withhold that forgiveness means that you haven't grasped it over here. We, we, I, I grew up thinking that if I could just get my relationship right with God, if I could just like go into a monastery and pray all day and, and never like be tempted or anything like that, like as long as I remove myself from the world, then, then me and God would be fine. Except that every time I come to his word, he's telling me to love my neighbor. Every time I come to his word, he's directing me that, that, that the relationships that I have horizontally with the people that I'm shoulder to shoulder with, the flesh and blood that I could give a hug to if I wanted to, or I could strangle them if, I, if the circumstances are right, if my relationships with those people are directly impact the way that I think about my relationship with God. Here's the truth. If you're not God, you can't do it all. You only have one heart. And it's actually a pretty simple machine. And if you're using that machine to generate unforgiveness and hostility and to put yourself up on it, well, I'm not going over there until they do better. And we hold grudges. If that's what's going on in our heart, it's a simple machine. It can only do one thing. And if it's doing that to your spouse or to your kids or to your boss, to your teachers, then that's the only thing it can do to God. Your heart actually can't compartmentalize. It just is what it is. So the only hope we have is to come to Christ. Christ, have mercy. Forgive me. And also teach me that the way you forgive me is the way that you should lead me, or that you are leading me to forgive those who've sinned against me. 
Why do we pray? And why do we pray like this? Because God loves you too much to leave you where you started. He's actually interested in walking with you and, and growing his character in you. So when he teaches you to talk to him, he teaches you to talk to him in terms that mean that you have to think about the way that you're living. So, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Let's take some time and, uh, and pray about it. Um, agree with God with the things that he calls sin. The, the church word for this is confess. Uh, confess your sins. Um, but it's agree with God about the things that he calls sin. Thank him that if you agree with God that the thing in your life that he's calling a sin is a sin, then you have the confidence that if you trust Jesus, he's already forgiven it. He's lifted the whole temptation. He's lifted the whole sin. He's taken care of it. The only reason I have any confidence at all as a man who also sins, I don't know if you knew that, I also sin, to call out sin in your life is because I have the confidence that Jesus can forgive your sin as much as he forgives my own. And I have no need to make you pay for your sin if he's paid it all. Ask God for his love. Ask God for his strength to forgive those who are sinning against you. Uh, let's take a few minutes and, and pray quietly before we sing together. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. So when I started four years ago, this, these concepts and, and, and this prayer, this model was really unfamiliar to me, and I was actually really uncomfortable with it because this didn't sound like my prayers at all. Um, but I think part of praying it together weekly as, a, as we gather to focus in on Jesus, as we celebrate the work that Jesus is doing, I think that's been helpful. But as I've, as I've continued, like this is, is shaping, is shaping my prayer. Not that I've arrived. Um, but if you don't have anything to pray for, this is a wonderful place to start. Um, to think about and reflect on the ideas that are contained wherein and the attitudes that, these, that this prayer conveys. I'd encourage you to take it with you. Um, we, I, we don't pray it together in the King James Version simply because my brain turns off when I pray it in that way. Like Putting it in a different translation has helped me to put it in my own words. And so maybe look at, a, look at it in a couple of different English translations and incorporate that into your, your prayer life regularly. Um, maybe daily, perhaps. Um, thanks so much for uh, your kind attention this morning. Um, it's been a beautiful time, and I hope it's been helpful to you. Um, if you, uh, I saw Sharma taking some pictures. If you want um, the questions and the, the prayer time reflections, um, they are in the sermon notes in our app. Um, so if you download the church app, 
um, and hit the sermon notes for today. All those questions um, and the, the scripture references that I talked about are all in there for you. So that's a resource you can take with you into the rest of the week.